0: everyone. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and uh, welcome to our service of worship. Blessed are those who make it to worship the day of daylight savings for their darkness will not overcome them. Um, We're glad that you're here um, especially on this first Sunday of Lent. Um, What a great way for us to kick off the season together. Um, You know we've continued um, throughout the winter to use the children's Sunday school curriculum as our lectionary uh, and here in, in worship. So um, once again, our message is going to come from the same story that the children just learned back in Sunday school, um, which has been a lot of fun. And this, this week we're on the parable of the prodigal son. Now, this has come up several times since I've been here at Wrightsville. Um, I've preached this from the standpoint of the loving father who was generous and and gracious and welcomed home. uh, His son who had uh, lost everything, you know, um, squandered it in riotous living, it says. I've also talked about this from the standpoint of being the older uh, brother, you know, who thought, hey, this is unfair that you threw this party for this younger son while I've been here helping you all these days. But really, on its most basic level, the story is about a young man um, who who goes off and, uh, you know, makes some bad decisions, but then repents, comes to himself, the Bible says and then goes back home and finds uh, the loving arms of his, of his father. Let's hear this story again, because I'm going I'm to really spend a lot of time on this younger son. It's Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like, excuse me, make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. "'Your brother's come,' he replied, "'and your father has killed the fattened calf "'because he has him back safe and sound.' "'The older brother became angry and refused to go in. "'So his father went out and pleaded with him, "'but he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I've been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders. "'Yet you never gave me even a young goat "'so I could celebrate with my friends. "'But when the son of yours who has squandered your property "'with prostitutes comes home, "'you kill the fattened calf for him.' "'My son,' the father said,' You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. When my children were a little bit younger than they are now, we would occasionally go to restaurants that didn't actually have a drive-thru attached to them. I know, it seems strange. It was rare, but it happened. And generally, when we went to one of these nicer restaurants, the kids would be skeptical of what was on the menu. They usually didn't even want to go in. They would wonder, you know, would we find something we like? Maybe, maybe not. For one of my children, who will remain nameless, um, the biggest question was always, does this place have ketchup? That was the measuring stick. That was the key question, for if they had ketchup, then the restaurant was okay. We could eat here. Thankfully, I don't ever recall finding out that a restaurant we patronized didn't have ketchup on the first Sunday of Lent. Now, I want to ask us a key question, a measuring stick question, even more important than do we have ketchup. Here in the church, my question is this. Does this place produce spiritually mature Christians? Actually, that's a pretty good measuring stick for all churches everywhere. But specifically for us, does this community of faith produce Christians who grow up to become spiritually mature? Let me show you what I mean. In growing up, we normally pass through three stages of life. First, there's the childish stage where the cry is, please do something for me. Second, the adolescent stage where the cry is, please leave me alone. I can do this by myself. And then third, the mature adult stage where the cry is, please let me do something for you. Let me help you. Let me be a servant to others. Let's take a quick look together at each of these three stages of life and their unique characteristics. First of all, the childish stage. Now, of course, we all love children. Life brings no greater blessing than a child. Obviously, children are wonderful, but the reality is that children come into this world kicking and screaming and demanding. Please do something for me, as if to say. Do everything for me. Hold me. Rock me. Walk me. Talk to me. Sing to me. Entertain me. Feed me. Burp me. Change me right, and do it now, which is okay. We don't mind because we're adults and they're children, right, and children have to do that. That's how they communicate. That's what they have to do to survive, quite frankly, and it's understandable in a child, but if a child never grows beyond that, if they never grow up physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, well, it's heartbreaking, And the sad truth is that some people remain childish all the days of their life. Childish people are basically selfish and self-centered people. They never think of the needs of others. They've not yet learned how to be grateful and generous. They've not yet learned how to be patient or polite, compassionate or considerate. Unfortunately, when I get tired or anxious, I will tend toward childish ways. But I hope I don't do that all the time. I hope I've outgrown that most of the time. But some adults, and you may know such people in your life, no matter what age they may be, they go through life screaming, do something for me, do it right now. I need help, I have a problem. I want you to fix it. Second, the adolescent stage. Here the key word is arrogance. But there are other descriptive words that apply. Rebellious, restless, discontent, ruthless, prideful. Adolescent people also are people who don't tend to grow up. In trying to cut the apron strings, they go overboard. They let the pendulum swing too far. And they sometimes become hostile and resentful of anybody in authority. They're actually scared to death, but they try to cover up that with a false bravado, saying loudly over and over things like, I don't need anybody. I'm my own boss. Nobody's going to tell me what to do or how I'm supposed to live. My life's my own, and I do as I please, thank you very much. you got to look out for number one, you know. I'm a self-made man, and I don't answer to anybody. Adolescent people say things like that so often. You wonder who they're trying to convince, right? Their theme song is Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way, right? One biblical illustration of the adolescent stage is the picture of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden saying, in effect, who does God think he is telling us what we can and cannot eat, right? You know anybody like that? Yeah, the word here is arrogance, and the cry of the adolescent is, please leave me alone. I can take care of things myself. Third, let's look at the mature adult stage. I don't know why somebody gave this to me, but a friend of mine Put on my desk a description of how to know you're getting older. All right, it reads like this: You know you're getting older when you get winded playing chess. All right, or when your knees buckle but your belt won't. Right? Uh huh. Or when you sit in a rocking chair and you can't get it going. You know. Um, now these may be signs of growing older. They're not necessarily signs of becoming more mature. Growing older doesn't necessarily mean more maturity. Some people live a very long time and have a lot of years under their belt and still have not made it to spiritual maturity. Somehow they get stuck in either the childish stage or the adolescent stage saying, please do something for me or please leave me alone. On the other hand, I know many young people who seem far more mature than their age would designate. Um, They seem amazingly mature. I think the key word here is love. It's fascinating to note that both Jesus and St. Paul signified maturity with love. Jesus called love the key sign of discipleship. They will know we are Christians by our love, right? And St. Paul said, love is the greatest of the gifts of the Spirit. Faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love, right? So love is the measuring stick for spiritual maturity and all that goes into that, compassion, thoughtfulness, service, love. It means being a servant Christian. The most mature person is the person most able to be loving. And the cry here is, please let me do something for you. Please let me help you. Please let me serve God by serving others. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me a conduit of your love. We see these three approaches to life expressed dramatically in the parable of the prodigal son. At first, the prodigal starts out childishly and selfishly demands, give me my inheritance now. I don't want to wait around until you die, old man. Give me, give me, give me. How presumptuous, how childish. And then he moves into the adolescent stage when he goes to a distant country. And as he walks down the road, you can almost hear him saying in his mind, you know, I'm my own boss now. I'm number one. That's right. It's all about me. I'm not answering to nobody know how, right? I can make it all on my own. How arrogant. How adolescent. But then look what happens. He squanders his money away in riotous living and ends up, of all things, a feeder of pigs, which for a Jewish boy in Israel is rock bottom, okay? That's as low as it gets. That's the absolute pits, It was also the two-by-four to the noggin that got his attention, the bottoming out that helped him grow up. The scriptures say he came to himself, which means he matured. And then, don't miss this, he returns home and says humbly to his father, Father, make me a servant. I was so foolish, so ungrateful, so presumptuous. I was so childish, I was so adolescent, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please just make me a hired servant. Let me help you. Now we know the rest of the story, how the father forgave him and welcomed him back into his circle of trust. But we also see that the prodigal son grew up. He became a different person. In these three stages, we see precisely the ways in which people relate to life today. Whether it be through the church or in marriage or work, School, your country, God? Let me show you what I mean. First of all, think about the church and how people tend to relate to church. I've been around the church my entire life, and I've been a pastor for half of it. And And over the years, I've come to realize that these three approaches are precisely the three ways that people most relate to church. Some people relate to the church childishly. That is, they say, I'll come to church as long as you please me. I'll participate as long as you let me sit where I want to sit and as long as it's not too hot or not too cold and we sing the hymns that I like and as long as the preacher says things that I like and as long as the Sunday school teacher says things that I like. uh, You know, I'll come as long as you make me happy. But if anyone crosses me, if anyone says something I don't like, I'm out of here. I can always find another church that'll make me happy. Well, there are some who also relate to the church like an adolescent. They'll say, I don't need church. Mm -mm. And I certainly don't need to participate beyond worship. That's for the children and the youth group. I'm going to live my life out there on my own in a distant country, doing my own thing. I got everything I want anyway. Why would I need the church? Nobody's going to tell me what to do, especially not the church. Right. But then, thank God. Thank God. There are those who relate to the church as spiritually mature adults who say, let me be the church for others. Let me be part of the continuing ministry of Jesus Christ. Lord, make me an instrument of your amazing grace. Let me be a servant Christian. Let me do whatever needs to be done to send forth and help the cause of Christ and his church. Again, there are other relationships that we Go through that are sometimes childish, sometimes adolescent, and sometimes spiritually mature. Think about marriage, your job, the way you relate to your country, your friends. Do we come to these relationships like a child? I'll stick it out as long as you make me happy. If you do what I want you to do, if you please me, if you act like I want you to behave, if you say the things that I want you to say, but if you don't, I'm going to go find another playmate, okay? Childish, right? Do we relate to others as an adolescent thinking, I'll stay in this relationship, but I'm not going to answer to you or to anybody else. What I do is none of your business. Nobody owns me. Who do you think you are asking what I've been up to? How adolescent. Then thank God there are some people who come to their relationships with others as spiritually mature adults, saying, let me love you. Let me help you. Let there be some give and take in this relationship. Finally, think with me about how we relate to God. I think the gauge here is our prayer life. Now, be honest now. Are your prayers sometimes a little childish, right? Do you come to God saying selfish things like, Lord, give me this? Lord, do this for me, do that for me, bless me, give to me, just like I did last night when the score was about 75-70. And I said, Lord, please help Carolina win this basketball game and please kick those devils down the road. Right? A little bit childish, I'll admit. Or are you adolescent in your approach to prayer, saying, prayer, who needs prayer? Not me, I make it just fine by myself. I don't need God. How adolescent. But then thank God... There are others who are spiritually mature, and they pray, Lord, use me. Put me where thy will. Make me your servant. Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me bring pardon. Where there is doubt, let me cultivate faith. Where there is despair, let me instill hope. Where there is darkness, let me light a candle. Thank God for these spiritually mature adults who pray like that and live like that. Now, as I wrap up, I want to conclude with three quick observations. The first is, please don't categorize people. Uh, Don't try to figure out who in your family is childish and who is adolescent and who is spiritually mature. I promise that's not going to be real helpful at lunch. Um, Because, you see, the truth is, um, all three of these potentialities Um, reside in each of us at all times, and it's a choice that we have to make. I can be childish, and I can be adolescent. Hopefully, most of the time, I'll be spiritually mature. Second, the father will welcome us home regardless, okay? There are three main characters in the story. One is the son who went away, lost everything, came to himself, and went back home. The one who grew up, the one we've been talking about. The second character is the older son who stayed home and complained that Dad threw a party for the younger son. He thinks life isn't fair. Okay, The third character is Dad, the one who welcomes home his wayward son, and the same father who says to the older son, Hey, I know you think life isn't fair, but everything I have is yours. We're all God's children, regardless of whether or not we grow up in faith. We're all God's children, regardless of whether or not we get everything right. Whether we have all the right beliefs, whether we have all the right practices, God loves us all regardless. Which brings us to the third observation, which is this. The Christian faith is saying something very simple and yet very profound. And that's namely, we got to keep growing. No matter how old you are, we need to. Continue to become more mature as Christians. And God is always giving us an opportunity to become more than we are today, to put aside childish ways. And the way to grow up and be mature is to learn to be more loving, to become more of a servant, to be patient and kind with those who aren't exactly where you are, to be humble enough to learn from others along the way, coming to ourselves and asking the Father how we can be of service. That's what it's all about. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray with me. Almighty and everlasting God, we thank you for your grace, which reaches out to us and sees us from a long way off and welcomes us home no matter where we are. Lord, sometimes we act like children, sometimes like adolescents, and sometimes we get things right. Lord, I thank you that you continue to teach us, that you continue to pour your love into us, and you continue to give us opportunities to grow both in faith and love. Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.